0: Hispanic students have the largest increase in enrollment to higher education, but continue to report inability to afford tuition as their main deterrent to higher education. Welcome to Kids Can Healthy Kids, Better World, a podcast from Action for Healthy Kids. Welcome back to the second episode of the new podcast series, Kids Can presented by Action for Healthy Kids, a show highlighting everyday issues children face today and featuring conversations that give you advice on how you can help the kids in your life. I'm your host, Rob Bisegli. On today's episode, I will be joined by Dr. J. A. Gonzalez, the superintendent of the McAllen Independent School District and the 2020 Texas Superintendent of the Year to talk about his philosophy as an educator and the work he is doing in his district. We get to hear about an exciting new project he is working on around positive psychology in schools, learn a bit about the power of his parent education program and much more. Don't go anywhere, this is Kids Can. Hi, Dr. Gonzalez, it's a pleasure to have you on our show today, how are you doing?
1: Thank you for having me, I'm doing great.
0: Yeah, great, great. Well, as uh, you know, the premise of our podcast that, and all of the work that we do at Action for Healthy Kids for that matter, is that our childhood experiences and the adults who care about us have a transformative impact on our lives. So I was hoping you could tell me about one of your childhood experiences that you consider to be transformative.
1: Well, one of the things for me is I've been in education for 26 years now, and my father was in education for 38. So growing up, I had the opportunity to see my dad impact a lot of students along the way, whether it was his time as a teacher or a principal, or even as a superintendent. So the transformative nature of my upbringing was one in which I saw the impact that my father was having over generations. And I grew up in a small ranching community. But one of the things that I quickly realized is that my father loved his students as if they were his own. And he built deep relationships with them. So when I became an educator, I never forgot that the integrity and the love and the compassion that he brought to the table when it came to being an educator. So now that I'm in my six year as superintendent and in my path along the way, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten the, the deep relationships that you build and the true amp- impact that you're having. And I think that that's been transformative to me as an educator.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Did you ever run across any of your father's former students?
1: I did. I mean, over the years, I've had a multitude of students come by, whether they were uh, student athletes or just students in general. And, and that was the common theme, is that uh, he had very high standards for them, but he also gave them equal amounts of love. And that's one of the things that we do in McAllen ISD is 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 equal parts love and discipline. And, and because of that, we're a very successful school district.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So how do you think that experience, your experience uh, with your father growing up that way and him being in education, how do you think that has impacted your life and the way that you see things today and what you believe today?
1: Well, now I'm in a position where I'm a superintendent of schools from McAllen ISD. My wife is a fifth grade teacher in the district. And we also have my youngest son, Joshua, who's in second grade, my little girl, Samantha, is in third grade, and my oldest boy, Joe, is in fourth grade. So I'm able to not only work and, and be a, a, an employee of the district, but also on the consumer side. I think that it's uh, it's the whole picture now, and, and I know what it takes to not only provide a quality education for students, when you talk about 21,000 students that we serve in McAllen ISD, but I also know, and I learned along the way, What it takes to to challenge your own children and and to set the standards so that just like every other parent across the world wants is you want your children to to grow up to be productive citizens, to be loving citizens, to be able to get along with others, to, to master a craft that makes them productive citizens. And so everything that I learned along the way has helped me not only as an educator, but as
0: a father. Can you tell us a little bit about your district? Yeah, McAllen ISD
1: is uh, located in deep South Texas. We're on the Texas-Mexico border. We've been in existence for 113 years. We're an A-rated school district with regard to the Texas accountability system. We have been an A-rated school district for the last two years. We've also earned the post-secondary readiness distinction, which goes beyond just academic performance and looks at graduation rates and dropout rates and ACT and SAT participation and career technical education pathways. So it looks at a multitude of the health of of an organization. So we've earned the post-secondary readiness distinction. We've also earned a perfect score on the financial integrity rating system of Texas for the last eight years. So, And just to kind of put that in context, in in Texas, there's only three school districts in the entire state with a student population of over 20,000 who's earned all three of those honors. And McAllen ISD is one of them. Uh, We offer great athletic programs. Our fine arts programs are, are second to none. And uh, we take great pride in, in producing quality, and we take great pride in in not making excuses. We have 72% of our students that are economically disadvantaged, and they're competing with students across the state that that may not be, but uh, we don't put any barriers in front of our students, and, and they can compete with anybody, anywhere, anytime. And that's the mindset that we have, and because of that, we've been very successful over the years.
0: Yeah, you went right in the direction I was going to go to. Can you tell me a little bit more about the people about in your district, about the students? Describe them a little bit more to us, you know, the kinds of opportunities and challenges they face and and your staff, your, your teachers and your other staff in your district. Can you tell us a little bit more about them?
1: Yeah, I think that just overall, um, the average teacher has been with us for, on average, 13 years. So we have a lot of experience in the classroom. Our students, 90 uh, percent of our students come from a Hispanic background. And then we have white, Asian, black that makes up the rest of the 10 percent. Seventy two percent of our students, again, are economically disadvantaged. We're 10 miles off the Texas-Mexico border, but we have great things going on down here. If you look at uh, SpaceX is right down the road and we're, we're doing our very best to form relationships with them. We've also started a partnership with the city of McAllen around urban ecology. So we're doing our very, very best to not only work on uh, space travel, but also work on how to take care of Mother Earth simultaneously. Um, our students are resilient. They participate in extracurriculars and, and fine arts. Uh, we have a, a tremendous music program. Just the heart of our people is, is one of resilience. Uh, the heart of our community is one of uh, synergy. And we take great pride in producing quality results I think that the the Rio Grande Valley if you look at uh, the population and and you look at the the rest of the United States and you look at you know the, in the next 10 years how many young people will be in the Rio Grande Valley and, and and how that would impact business uh, if you research that you'll see that we're a prime location across the state for big business and So we're trying to set ourselves up. I just had a a meeting with Texas A&M at a college station. Uh, They relocated. They have a a satellite down here. We have a medical school now with UTRGV. We're soon going to have a law school, soon going to have a pharmacy school. So
0: Yeah, sounds like you have a lot going on, Dr. Gonzalez, which is wonderful. One thing I'd love to follow up on is you mentioned that you're near the border, you know, think you said, within 10 miles of the border. So I'm sure that that you know, your location, you know, presents some unique challenges. And you've been talking about some of the opportunities. Has that changed in recent years? Or, or how do you view that?
1: No, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of big business along the border. Uh, there's a lot of uh, businesses from across the world. that set up shop either right on the southern part of the border or on our side of the border. So that, that lends itself to, to big business. I think that if you start to look at our ports of entry, and big business coming down to a location and what big, what big businesses are looking for right now is, is a population that, that makes sense to them. So when you have a large majority of your population that's going to be within 18 and 21 years old is already there, but, but relatively young that, that helps us. But as far as challenges, I think that just like every other part of the world, COVID-19 has presented some challenges with us with regard to border crossing and and some of the business we were doing with with mexico but overall i think that uh it's just a prime location to be in it's a great place to raise a family it's safe it's i mean in in an hour and 10 minutes you could be at south padre island on the beach fishing uh so we're right on the coast and uh, it's just it's a great
0: place great great so let's really get into it now know, I know that one of the really intriguing projects that you're working on in your district is around positive psychology, you know, ha- ha- you know so-called happiness, you know, uh, based on the book and the course from the Harvard professor. So can you tell us a little bit about how you're approaching that and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, it's one of the things that we're very, very focused on and have been. As I mentioned, I've been superintendent for six years, and one of the things was from the beginning, and, and before that, I was the associate superintendent. So I worked directly with the superintendent. So I've been at Central for, for 10 years now. And, and here in the last six, it's been a big push to not only raise the IQ of our student body, but also raise the emotional quotient of our student body. So there's a big focus on self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. And we drive that through our customer service model. We drive that through our framework for student learning. We drive that through our leadership model. And we drive that from a through K-12 perspective. But one of the things that was missing is a course that was a requirement in which students were going to, before they graduated at the high school level, on their transcript, have to go through a course with a big emphasis on positive psychology. And that's where I came across uh, Tal Ben-Shahar's work, Dr. Shahar out of uh, Harvard University, not working for him anymore, but at one point when he was working for them, uh, class 1504 out of Harvard was one of the most popular courses there. And that got my attention. So we just met with uh, Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar on Tuesday, and uh, we're working with him directly. I just yesterday visited classes at one of our high schools where, where our high school students were in the course. It's called the transition course, uh, but they also focus on the, the positive psychology, and they were working on uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation in a deep way. So we're very, very proud of the fact that in McAllen ISD by design, we're not only working on raising the IQ, and making people book smart, but we're working on people being people smart too, by raising their emotional quotient.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about EQ and why you think it's so important? The obvious... For most of us, you know, parents and others, you know, for a school district is to focus on education, right, around building their cognitive skills and their abilities, you know, and traditional subjects in school. So can you tell us a little bit about why, why you decided to take this on, why EQ is so important for students?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I, that I quickly realized is, is I became superintendent and we, we started to delve into curriculum and instruction. And we have a value-added progress monitoring system where we look at every state objective and we look at how we teach it, and we look at how students are progressing on every objective. So it's very scientific. So we had it down to a science, and that's why we're an A-rated school district, right? You think seventy-two percent economically disadvantaged. You think of our student population. You think of where we're located, and we're competing with Lake Travis, and we're competing with Plano, and we're competing with with people that have no socioeconomic issues. So what was missing was how do we measure and how do we educate children on the emotional intelligence side? Because we wanted people from an employability standpoint, not only have a skill set, but also have what, what business at the time was calling soft skills. And we saw a lot of Fortune 500 companies flipping the script where they said, we can teach you the skill. You've already proven that you're smart with your college degree or with your resume. But what we're interested in people that can work in teams, we're interested in people that can stay motivated in hard times. We're interested in adaptability. The the secret to success, especially in this environment, is the ability to adapt quickly and take action quickly and build systems and processes quickly in a manner where people are where it's a synergistic environment. Now, it's not saying that we're perfect and we're not going to disagree on things. But what it is saying is that we have a level of emotional intelligence that is going to put us in a position to be as successful as possible while we deal with other, other human beings. So EQ became very interesting to us because we couldn't let it leave it to chance. We couldn't let it be organic. We had to do it by design that way we can start to measure it. And that's where we are now.
0: Yeah. Can you bring it to life for us a little bit? No. What do they do in that course? How, you know, give us an example or two of how it really plays out for the students.
1: Well, there's curriculum that's lined up and it, it focuses on, of happiness so when you start to look at the elements of happiness through the lens of Talben shahar you start to look at spiritual well-being so then we have lessons and it doesn't necessarily mean religion it means spiritual well-being from a balanced standpoint understanding that there's something bigger than you understanding the importance of meditation understanding how to stay balanced understanding the energy that you put out into the universe so the spiritual well-being is one component where we drive curriculum Then there's the physical well-being. And obviously, it's not a physical education course, but it talks about the research on physical well-being. And it talks about the fact that physical fitness, nutrition, sleep, all those things lead to success. So we give them mechanisms and ways to do that. It also talks about intellectual well-being and the importance of curiosity, the importance of studying and deep learning. So there's curriculum around that. It talks about relational well-being, and that's the ability to not only get along with others, but get along with yourself. So it talks about intrapersonal relationships and interpersonal relationships so that we can move forward. And it talks about emotional well-being, because life is tough and life's going to beat you up, all of us. It's not going to spare any of us. But the better constructs that you have and the deeper the understanding that you have around emotional intelligence in a real way gives you a higher probability of being successful in getting through the hard times because that's an objective fact. We're all going to face it.
0: Indeed, indeed. So do you see your students demonstrating a different way of behaving, a different way of thinking, you know, a different sense of self, a different sense of, you know, how they deal with their fellow students, how they, you know, cope with the stresses that are inevitable in life, how they, you know, cope with their classes and their teachers and so on?
1: Absolutely, it's, it's it's transformed our culture. If you look at culture, culture is language, and language is culture. So when you start to teach in a K through twelve continuum, and we've been, been doing it for six years now, and been on been on this continuous cycle of K Zen, just trying to get better and chasing perfection. So not only is it benefiting the twenty one thousand students that we serve, but it's it's also benefiting the over three thousand employees that we have simultaneously. So it's a collective effort, uh, because as you know we're still on that quest for raising our emotional quotient. And the good news is that if you focus on it and you make it important that you don't have to learn everything the hard way because there's a lot of things along my path in my 48 years on this planet that I've learned the hard way. And there's things that we've all learned the hard way. But if you can internalize the concepts in a deep way, really understand self-awareness and your strengths and weaknesses. And if you can really develop the skill set for self-regulation, And if you can understand intrinsic and intrinsic, extrinsic motivation and empathy and social skills, and you learn that, or you can synthesize and evaluate that information in deeper levels, then it prevents you from having to learn things the hard way because you're going to learn and you're either going to learn at McAllen ISD through our curriculum, or you're going to learn the hard way. So we're trying to get our kids to, to learn as much as they can from our curriculum on emotional intelligence because The School of Hard Knocks, that's an accelerated curriculum.
0: You're speaking so powerfully to issues that we at Action for Healthy Kids care so deeply about. You were talking about how how all of the physical health and well-being factors of healthy eating and physical activity relate to all of those uh, social and emotional skills that kids need. And I can hear, you know, it, it sounds to me too that, you know, it's impacted you personally, you know, this work. Is there anything you can tell us about that, you know, and, and, your, and your relationship with your staff and so on?
1: Oh, most definitely. I, I know that for me, when I was working on my dissertation and I was working with my, with my dissertation chair, and she told me, don't try to save the world with your dissertation now. Save the world after. She was trying to tell me, get it done and then take these constructs and take them wherever you're going and then make them actionable. And that's what I did. I took my dissertation and I took the work of W. Edwards Deming and created a leadership model. So on the business perspective of the leadership model, it talks about synergy, systems and processes, continuous improvement and leadership. Then we have the psychosocial side of our leadership model. And that's Daniel Goleman's work on self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Then on the leadership model, there's also this sense of belonging perspective. And in that sense of belonging perspective, we talk about culture and climate. And we say that the climate of an organization is equal to the personality of the organization. The culture of the organization is equal to the attitude of the organization. And then if we have any hope on changing a personality, we have to change the attitude first. So you have to change the culture of an organization before you change the climate. And then there's finally, in our leadership model, the instructional core. And that's out of Harvard University on Dr. Richard Elmore's work. And there we look at educator skill. We look at high level content and we look at student engagement. Yeah. So all of that is my dissertation and it's in action right now. So I, I did exactly what Dr. Simonson said as I'm trying to save the world now.
0: If there's one thing you could change about the culture of our education system, not even necessarily just your district, what would it be?
1: To never give up on a kid, no matter what. You know, Everybody's some kind of smart and you, you got to figure out what kind of smart they are. But I think a lot of times we give up on kids too soon.
0: And it happens all over the country, right? And it's unacceptable. Right. Never do that. I'd like to turn to parents and family members and caregivers. And by the way, sometimes I say parents, what I really mean is anyone who cares for a kid or a child is sometimes use a shorthand. You know, we at Action for Healthy Kids have worked on parent engagement, you know, especially when it comes to the health and well-being of kids through schools for many, many years. And our experience is that progress is rapid when parents, the magic really happens when parents and other caregivers outside of the school team up with the staff inside the school, the teachers and the food service folks, and, uh, and you name it, everyone in the school district and that's where rapid progress is made, when there's a community-oriented focus, and in our case, health and well-being. And I know that you work a lot with parents in your school district, so I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about your parent education program and your parent edu- engagement efforts.
1: Yeah, to your point, it's that's that's the key. You got to close the loop between the education system, the, the parents, and, and the children. And if you don't close the loop, if there's a gap, then you're at a disadvantage. So we do have opportunities. I have a parent advisory committee that I meet with monthly, and they're representatives from every school. So the superintendent parent advisory committee helps me tremendously in leading the district and giving me perspective from the parents' standpoint. We also have a very strong. PTO, parent-teacher organization on every campus is very strong. We also have opportunities where we educate. We have uh, opportunities for parents to gain skills. We have opportunities where parents can get certified in welding. And we have the Brownsville ship channel right down the road, So, or pipelines, gas pipelines that they can get on. So earning a, a welding certification is, is, is very, very important. And uh, we have many parents that are, have done that. We have and then you have your basic cake decorating courses and floral design courses and GED programs. So we're trying our very best to provide educational opportunities for our parents, too. So it's not just because just like anything else, you know, before you can love someone else, you have to love yourself before you can take care of anybody else. You have to be able to take care of yourself. And in order to do that in this world, you have to have some sort of, of skill. And, and that's what we're trying our very best to do. So. We don't only get their voice to make adjustments to systems, but we also provide them with opportunities to improve so that they can take care of their families.
0: Yeah, I'd like to circle back for a moment on the psychosocial work that you do with kids. What do you do, if anything, on those elements as it relates to parents and caregivers?
1: Well, if you were a parent in McAllen ISD right now, your child would be going home with with an assignment to do with their mom and dad or a caregiver. And it would be revolving around intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So it would be a simple activity that will require you, mom, dad, caregiver, to have a conversation around what that means. And they would tell you what they learned and you would tell them what you know about the concept. So it's different than if your kid come home and talks to you about, hey, dad, I need your help with trigonometry or I need your help with calculus. You can have a conversation about, hey, dad, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And when you get upset, what are some of the things that you do to, to gain control? And, you know, at school, we call that self-regulation and we call that self-awareness. What does that mean to you Well, what it means to me? And it's it just opens up the door for this dialogue between parents. And then parents walk away thinking, Man, I can't believe I just had that conversation with my kid. and And that was for a grade. And they're going to go back and they're going to report. And so when you do that over time, then it starts to impact the household also.
0: Yeah. I think that's really interesting. You know, as a parent of uh, school age kids, when they come home with the difficult math questions, you know, there's a panic that sets in. Right. But on the other side of things, we all experience day-to-day health and wellness and and things, uh, you know, like overcoming challenges. We all can talk about them. It doesn't take You know, you don't need to know calculus in order to have that conversation. I think that's so interesting. I I sometimes wonder why we as a society haven't really tapped in to parents in a bigger way on this side of things, because kids go home with their homework in math or in English and parents struggle to support them. But on this side of things, parents could be one of the best assets for kids.
1: Right. It also keeps you in check as a parent, because once you have these conversations around self-awareness and self-regulation, motivation, empathy and social skills, then when you do get upset as a dad or you're telling yourself self-regulate or when you're upset, your kid's thinking, my dad's not self-regulating, self-regulating their emotions, you know, cutting out the profanity or, or cutting out the raising of the voice or the you know things that go on in households where those constructs as simple as they are, I mean, there's beauty and simplicity and there's complexity and simplicity. So and that, that's what we focus on. S.S.M.E.S. That's the acronym. S.S.M.E.S. We call it S.S.M.E.S. And that's self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy and social skills. And that's what we pound and pound and pound. So it keeps people in check, not only the kids, but the adults. And that we're hoping that if there is a parent that's having trouble with anger management, that these conversations are going to help them also.
0: Now, since your primary objective is around kids and their education, how do you justify spending, resor- dedicating resources for parents?
1: Because we know that it is a community effort and it takes a village to, to get where we need to be. And we know that it, anytime anybody is in crisis, then that's not good for the household. And we also know that if somebody is unemployed or doesn't have a specific skill, And that's going to be something that's going to be detrimental and then ultimately have an impact on student learning. So we do our very best as one vehicle. I mean, we're not the one stop shop fixed all. All we're doing as a district is doing the little part that we can. And then the city does the little part that they can. And the McAllen Economic Development Corporation does what they can. And the Chamber of Commerce does what they can. And everybody's working together. And I have very strong relationships with all these individuals. I mean, I'm on the board for the McAllen Economic Development Corporation. I'm on the board for the chamber. I'm on the board for the United Way. Uh, so I, I, I have deep relationships. And that's one of the benefits in being somewhere for a long time. And I've been here for many years. So uh, I think that people get the big picture and, and they understand, especially when all big business is talking about right now is soft skills. All we're saying is we don't call them soft skills. In my mind, those are the hard skills.
0: This will be my last question along these lines. Can you describe an ideal relationship between a family and a school or a school district, what's the ideal relationship?
1: Love-based. I think that when, when the organization has a love for the game and a love for educating children, and then the household has a love for the district and confidence in the district and pride in the district, based on action and based on results, and that's a two-way street, and then that's you open up the channels of communication. So you build trust. And just like any other relationship, everything's built on love and and trust. And then there's this love story, right? But you can't you can't write a love story without love.
0: Wonderful. I'm gonna head toward our last topic here, which is if, if you were to look back on your life's experiences, the good and the bad, how would you hope that the experience of today's children is the same and different from yours?
1: Well, when I went to school. In K-12, my district did a good job of educating us on the academic side, but there was there's nothing that I could really remember that focused on the psychosocial side of the game. There, there was nothing that they really touched on the true importance of being self-aware, the, the real deep importance of self-regulating, the sense of urgency that one must have to master motivation. That empathy is very, very important. And that social skills, not only now as we knew social skills, but the social skills on social media now and how you behave it, are very important. I think that my upbringing and my path through life put me in a position where I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And I hope that the children in McAllen ISD, because that's really all I can control as an educator, is the district that I work for as far as curriculum that we deliver, I hope that they understand and embrace these concepts with depth and complexity to the point that it prevents them from having to learn things the hard way.
0: You already started to answer this last question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You just started to answer it. What is your greatest wish for today's children and youth?
1: That they find happiness, that they understand that true happiness you know, revolves around many different things. That, that true, true happiness isn't necessarily chasing money. That true happiness is, is chasing a, a passion that you have and, and making your mark on this world. And I think the byproduct of that is, is a healthy salary. I think that if you find something that, that you love doing and, and it doesn't really feel like you're, you're going to work, because I'll have a lot of people tell me, well, the superintendency is, is a hard job. I never want to do what you do. I don't feel like I work. I, this does not feel like a job to me because I absolutely love what I do. So I would hope that every child in the world has the opportunity to to develop their skill sets academically, socially, and emotionally, and then finds their passion. And then with the short time that we have on this earth, does everything in their power to make a positive difference. And when it's all said and done, they can look back and say, I gave it all I had. I made a positive difference and the world's a better place.
0: Well, Dr. Gonzalez, I think that's the perfect way to end it. I'll have to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all of the wonderful work you are doing to support the kids and people in your community. You know, it's critical that we do a lot more of what you're doing in McAllen ISD and other places around the country. So thank you so much for your time and for uh, for all of your great work.
1: Thank you for having me, Rob. I appreciate it.
0: That is all the time we have today. I want to say thank you so much to Dr. Gonzalez for joining us today to discuss the positive work he is doing at McAllen ISD. Positive psychology is imperative to helping children grow to be the best they can be. You can find more information by visiting our website at actionforhealthykids.org or checking us out on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to listen out for our next episode. And don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.